welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Home Efficiency. Hello, clean tech enthusiasts. My name is Scott Cooney, and my company has done energy and water efficiency retrofits for more than 13,000 homes and small businesses, saving our customers more than $3 million a year on their electric and water bills, while also reducing more than 11 million pounds of carbon pollution per year. Would you like to start offering this type of service in your community? Do it for a living, make money? You can. Check out homeefficiency.com for more info. We do flat fee consulting to help you get started with our model, training you, giving the inventory, tools, software, and support you'll need. No royalties, no hidden fees, no sneaky add-ons. You can just get started. Ready to work with your hands and make a difference every day? Do it. Go to homeefficiency.com. Check out. We're here today for another episode of Clean Tech Talk. I'm Zachary Shahan, Director and CEO of Clean Technica. And we're here talking with Cruz's Senior Vice President of Government Affairs and Social Impact, Rob Grant. Rob, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Well, first off, thank you for having me, Zach. I uh, really appreciate your time and uh, looking forward to the chat today. Um, so I'm, I'm Robert Grant. I'm the Senior Vice President of Government Affairs and Social Impact here at Cruise. I've been with uh, Cruise, which is a leader in uh, self-driving technology and EV technology uh, for about two and a half years. Uh, prior to that, I, I worked at uh, some other firms in the AV space, uh, including Aurora. Uh, I was uh, helped Lyft start their policy team back in 2014. And then for the bulk of my career, I was in Washington, D.C. I was with the United States Senate for about 15 years. Uh, so excited to be here. Uh, looking forward to our talk and uh, just appreciate your time. Thanks. So I guess we can just dig in with dirt on Aurora, right? That's probably a good place to start. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. We won't, won't touch that. Uh, how... Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll meander a little bit through um, tech and policy and um, culture. I think we, we have a sort of broad ranging uh, range of questions here. Um, to just start off a bit, just to, you know, make sure we know what page we're on here. Uh, how does Cruise currently look at the timeline for getting to level five robo taxis in the U.S.? And you know, part of that, what, what states do you see as leading on this. Well, great. Well, let, let, let's uh, you know, kind of level set a little bit about Cruise and where we're at today, and then I can give you a sense of, of how we see uh, a little bit of the future rolling out. So, so Cruise was founded in 2013 here in San Francisco um, with the mission to really address some of the big problems that we see in transportation today, right? It's, it's too dangerous, too polluting, uh, too inaccessible. Uh, so what we've set out to do from the beginning is create a business case that um, you know, makes people want to use a, a ride sharing service that is shared, that's all electric, um, and that can be more accessible and more equitable than, than what's currently out there. Um, so over the last six years, we've been doing extensive testing in San Francisco. We've accumulated over 2 million miles of testing all on uh, battery electric vehicles uh, based upon the Chevy Bolt platform, uh, which we're very proud of. Um, all fueled by renewable energy uh, since uh, 2019. 
uh, sourced from uh, Southern California. Um, and, and what we've seen over that time is rapid progress, uh, both in terms of our abilities on the technical side, but also uh, our ability to uh, benefit the city of San Francisco and its residents. Um, so, so today, as we look forward to where we wanna go, um, really our next steps towards commercialization are to offer a level four um, ride sharing system that will also be able to provide uh, delivery services as well. So level five, for those that don't know, and, and what Zach referenced, uh, means that a, a, an autonomous vehicle uh, without the intervention of any human uh, could travel anywhere. You could go from here to Death Valley to Tahoe and back um, without any concerns of, of a human needing to take over. Uh, level four, which is the step of autonomy uh, a little bit prior to that means you can do all those things. The car can do all those uh, tasks that a human driver does. Uh, but it has some limitations, right? So that could be weather, it might not operate in snow. It could be um, environmental in terms of, you know, what you see on the roads. It, you know, if you have a steep hill, it's 30% grade, that's basically straight up. Car might struggle a little bit with that currently. Uh, so right now we're focused on building an L4 system uh, integrated into um, an all electric uh, vehicle. So currently we use the bolts. Uh, which is 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 uh, produced in uh, a plant in Michigan uh, with all United States labor uh, by our partners, General Motors. And in the future, uh, we're planning to use a new vehicle form called we call the Origin. We had a big reveal last year. Um, pretty exciting vehicle. It's purpose built, built upon a battery electric system, uh, the Ultium battery that, that GM has put forward. Uh, and that's a, that's the vehicle we plan to scale with. Um, but as we move forward, you know, this year, our, our first steps are to get some um, initial commercialization out there. Uh, so we, we have to go through a, a very uh, big thicket of, of permits here in California. Um, you know, California has always been in the lead and it, it is leading in, in this space in terms of regulatory policy. Um, and we're working closely with local and state regulators to do that. But in the future, um, you know, we see L5 as a possibility. Uh, right now we're focused on L4. Um, and, and in terms of expansion, really to address those issues I talked about, those deficiencies we see in the current transportation system, uh, safety, uh, pollution, accessibility, we have to get to scale. So our aim is to be everywhere globally. Uh, we want to be a global company. So that, that means operating in the 50 contiguous or, or I guess 48 contiguous states and 50 states total. Uh, Maybe 49 still soon. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, sorry, that was a bit of a rough question to throw at you, but it was uh, sort of, I think it's the best way to get um, to get through an intro um, to, to jump with the, what people think about the most. Uh, it, I think it was December I covered that California uh, is now permitting um, robotaxis, basically uh, robotaxis and the, permitting, you know, taking money for them. So you can run a, a self-driving vehicle service and you can collect fares from passengers. Um, I'm sure Cruz was involved in that. I mentioned that as, as well back then, but uh, can you speak a little bit about that and where uh, where that's leading, where that's leading you, um, you know, what we what we can expect to see, maybe not just from Cruz, but just overall in the California landscape uh, as a result of that? Sure, sure. Yeah, no, so that was that was a really um, welcome decision on, um, from the industry. Uh, I know for Cruz in particular, but I think the whole industry was uh, very excited to, to see um, the final kind of steps, regulatory steps needed to get to, to deployment. Um, 
so yeah, it's, it's been a process. California passed the first AV law in 2012 uh, that came uh, out of the state legislature. Um, it gave kind of regulatory authority to the DMV, who um, the Department of Motor Vehicles, uh, who set up a, a, a regulatory regime uh, in full in 2018 that would allow you to get to deployment. Uh, but in California, there's another regulator, the California Public Utilities Commission, who I'm sure many of your um, you know, nuanced listeners uh, have dealt with before or are familiar with. Uh, interestingly, other than utilities, uh, they have uh, jurisdiction through the state constitution uh, over transportation of people. Um, and so they, they had a, um, uh, a series of hearings. We worked closely with them. The industry really worked closely with them. Uh, and so did uh, advocates from both sides, you know, safety advocates, environmental advocates, disability advocates. Um, and finally, uh, late last year, they developed a, a system um, where you can now go through, and if you get the right permits from both the DMV and the CPUC, you can run uh, a business of, of AVs in California, which is great. Um, and so for crews, uh, you know, we've been through the process to get uh, three permits currently. Uh, our latest one we got was in October. It gave us the ability to test uh, fully driverless vehicles in the, in the city of San Francisco, which is exciting. Uh, you know, we have some videos out there of, of, of kind of that first um, initial ride, which was great. Uh, you can see it, it's, it's very exciting. Uh, and now we're in the process of, of working with our regulators to move forward to get those remaining permits so that uh, pretty soon, uh, Zach, I can invite you up. Uh, you can open the app. Uh, you, can, you can give a little payment to Cruise and, and we can take you on a fully autonomous ride. Yeah, very exciting. And so do you see that, um, I mean, do you see that market sort of blooming very quickly in, in several Californian cities? Do you see it as kind of something that people, could, that companies are going to creep into? Or do you think, you know, it won't be, it'll be like a, a flash in the pan and all of a sudden, instead of, you know, what, you know, the, the typical Uber Lyft cars all around, you're going to see autonomous vehicles driving all around in LA and San Diego and San Francisco. Yeah, I, I, my, my sense is that, um, right, this will roll out at a, at a pretty regular cadence. It won't be that, you know, residents of San Diego wake up uh, July 1st of this year and they're city is is full of uh, autonomous vehicles uh, i think you know given the nature of the technology and the nature of the industry which is uh, still relatively young um it will take some time but now we have regulatory certainty that we can do that right so it's not a question of, of if this will happen it's a question of when and how it rolls out um at cruise what i can say specifically is we like to really work with every community that, that we're going into um, so here in San Francisco, I mean, I think last year we had maybe 140 community events of various kinds, mostly virtual uh, at this point due to, to what uh, the, the pandemic. But before that, uh, we did many in-person events uh, to really introduce people with technology, introduce them to crews, understand kind of how we're different than maybe some of the existing players in the market. Uh, and that's how we plan to move forward in every city in California that we go through and every city, frankly, that we plan to be in uh, in the next few years. Um, and, and so I think I think that's a really great model for us because uh, the technology is it's new to everybody. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And it's hard not it's hard to hide. I mean, you've seen the vehicles. They've got all sorts of equipment yeah. hanging off of it uh, and it, it just stands out. And I mean, we I mean, we, we all know very well that one incident, even if it's hugely below the normal rate of, of drivers is going to get a lot of headlines and 
could slow progress down. So obviously, and of course you don't want any instance anyway, but so you gotta be careful with the rollout. I mean, any, any, you know, Absolutely. like we saw with the vaccine, you have to do stages to, to test and see what happens and get feedback and improve, uh, iterate. Yeah. Well, just to pull you over to uh, my coast for a moment. Um, I, I think it was, it was like five or seven, five or six years ago, maybe that I was presenting at a conference in Orlando in Cocoa beach, sorry. Um, uh, about EVs and someone else, Florida DOT was presenting there and they were very, very, very bullish on autonomous driving in Florida. They wanted to be a leader. We obviously have tremendous weather for it here. We don't have to worry about snow. So you don't have, you don't have that issue. Um, we have in a lot of ways we have the, the right kind of urban environment and, and roadways. Uh, so I'm just curious, what's your, do you have any expectations or anything you can say about when you expect to be, uh, operating in Florida or, or other states, Arizona, you know, some of these other. So we're currently doing um, testing in Arizona. Um, we've been in the Phoenix Scottsdale area for a few years now. Uh, we recently announced a partnership with Walmart down there to uh, deliver some, some goods and items from Walmart stores in the, the Scottsdale Paradise Valley area. Um, obviously that has great potential. We, we think so to, to really scale uh, to many places. Uh, Walmart uh, obviously has an enormous footprint and is a, is a, is a really good uh, partner um, and just a well-known name. Uh, so we hope that that additionally builds trust. Um, uh, we have Walmart here too. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And you guys have Publix and everything down <laughs> yeah. there. I love, I love Publix. Oh, yeah. Publix. So yes. my, my, uh, my mother lives in, in, in Florida uh, right now and, and she actually got her, her vaccination shot from, uh, from oh. in the Publix. Um, nice. yeah. But yeah, Florida is great. I mean, I think They've set up a wonderful regulatory environment. I know uh, Senator Jeff Brandis in particular has been leading uh, that charge. Florida DOT has been uh, very helpful. Uh, Governor DeSantis uh, really one to encourage innovation as well as a new mayor of Miami, right? He's been very public. He's got billboards out here in, in, in San Francisco uh, trying to get everybody uh, to come. Yeah, to I mean, Miami. in general, Florida is sort of trying to, they're trying to pull people from Silicon Valley. They want, they want to make everything. Obviously, you know, there's pros and cons and I have more complaints than I will. I won't even start on my complaints list, but, um, <laughs> but there's, but there's definitely an, a, a very strong push to let businesses um, test waters yeah. here. Yeah, uh, and, so. and you're seeing that in this space, right? I know Waymo is doing some testing down there. Ford, Argo is on the Miami. Um, look, I think it's, a, I don't have anything to announce about when Cruise might be in Florida, but um, I don't think it's a, it's a secret that we have a lot of interest in, in, the, in the great state of Florida. Um, we do, we do have, of, we have one special hazard. We have Florida man here, which can cause all, you know, Florida man can do all <laughs> kinds of weird things. So you have to watch out for Florida man. But uh, aside from that, okay, we'll move on. Uh, so I, you talked about delivery. I'm, I guess, oh, sorry. About that. Uh, I guess um, we often think about robo taxis for passengers because, you know, we are people, um, we're not mm -hmm. boxes, but uh do you see the the autonomous delivery market being much bigger, much faster than the uh, robo taxi market? Just because there's not the concern of all of the things that you have to do uh, with uh, driving passengers around. I I, I do see um, the delivery market as one that can be kind of the first footprint for a lot of folks to get into them moving um, people around. As you said. Um, you know, without anybody in the vehicle, by definition, 
you're a little bit safer, right? Uh, and I think we've seen that um, with some of the arguments that have been successful for, for groups like Neuro who, who are doing some wonderful work. Uh, but for Cruz, I mean, I think we'll be doing both, uh, honestly. And I think, um, you know, our technology, uh, our focus on safety, our focus on working with the community, I think this will really set us up to, to run both business lines in parallel. Uh, and for example, right, we, we have seen kind of our interest in our proof of how delivery can be um, beneficial to communities with what's happened during the pandemic. So um, if you allow me just a minute, uh, we have a program here called Stand With SF. Um, so at the beginning of the, the pandemic, um, we removed our vehicles from the road uh, at the request of the city and state. Um, and then for a period of a couple of weeks, uh, we, we kind of kept ourselves off the road, uh, keeping our drivers, uh, safety drivers safe. Um, but then we had some reach out from some of these uh, charitable organizations in the city saying, hey, we're trying to get our services out to people. Uh, in particular, uh, the, the San Francisco uh, Marin Food Bank, who's the largest food bank here in the city of San Francisco, was saying, our needs of our community have tenfold increased. Um, and so instead of serving 100 people a day, we're being asked to serve 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people a day. Uh, and we don't want them coming down, right? That's the, at the time, right? We, we, we kind of understood a little bit about the virus. We've understood a lot more, but they're like, I can't, it's not safe to have thousands of people lined up uh, waiting for food. Um, and so they were looking for somebody that could be a reliable delivery partner and could work with them to, do, to make contactless delivery. Um, and so we then dedicated um, almost all of our fleet, uh, which is not enormous. It's about 200 vehicles, but we said, you know, we have these vehicles. Um, we worked with the city uh, to find a safe way to set up a contactless delivery. Uh, and we've been delivering food on behalf of the San Francisco Marin Food Bank to vulnerable populations for a better part of a year. Um, we're nearly at a million deliveries of, of, of meals in the city of San Francisco. Uh, and so uh, it's really something I'm, I'm extremely proud of um, and also just goes to show the benefits of this technology. Uh, so delivery is definitely something that, that we now have a lot more experience with than, than we ever assumed at this stage. Yeah, I want to get back to, we'll come back to your rounded sort of mission because it's something a bit unique about Cruise, I think. Um, but I was going to ask what you see as the ideal vehicle for autonomy and why. Uh, you already mentioned the origin. Uh, it's, I, I guess, I don't know if it's unfortunate. I mean, it's, you, you unveiled it right before the, the pandemic, unfortunately. Yes. So then you know, a shared uh, mobility vehicle um, had less appeal last last year. <laughs> Six people in a in a. But what how, what do you see about you know the future of vehicle development, vehicle evolution? Why the origin is designed how it is, but also how you see potentially uh, the evolution of, of vehicles, not you know beyond origin. Sure, I think I think this raises a great question, and one thing that we've been trying to. Um, really show leadership on, which is for us, right? You have the form factor. What does the vehicle look like and why does it look like? But also kind of, you know, what are you powering that vehicle with? And so for crews, we've always believed that AVs should be EVs. Um, and so we started that way. The origin is kind of the next step in that. And really what we've been looking around at the industry and saying is why isn't everybody an EV in this space right now, right? This, this industry is right at the beginning why wait 10, 15 years and say, hey, you know, folks that are using internal combustion engines, why don't you start to transform over uh, to electric vehicles, right? Yeah, and uh, I recall right Mary, now, Mary 
Mary Barra two or three years ago said something like, well, it's just logical. You're going to use the most efficient vehicle because it's going to travel. I, she had a great statement on it a few years ago, and I've also been bewildered why anyone else does, isn't fully electric. I mean, yeah, and, and, and here's the thing, right? We're at the beginning. You have a choice to do this now rather than do something else and transform. So, uh, you know, one of the stats that we just saw out of California this year is, is they report all the vehicle miles traveled in autonomous mode, right? They're about, for the entire industry in California, about 2 million miles. Um, Cruise did about 800,000 of those, uh, all electric. Um, but the rest of the industry um, only had 200,000 miles in electric uh, miles. They had a million miles plus in internal combustion engine. And we're like, why is that, right? It, it's not as if we have millions of vehicles to transform, right? Nobody has a big fleet bigger than us. We have 200. Um, so now is the time to change. And that's what we've been challenging the industry to do is say, you know, in line with California's goals, the nation's goals, um, you know, the new administration, uh, what we know about climate change, everybody should be EV right now. So, um, the origin is EV. I think one of the great things about the origin too, um, look, the pandemic has really kind of um, altered folks' view of sharing, but we believe sharing is really the way to go. Uh, I put out a blog post, I can share it with you, um, about some of the things that we're doing to pandemic-proof the origin going forward, uh, including you know, circulating the air, having people wear masks, you know, putting in barriers, things of that nature. Um, so we still think that shared autonomous electric future is the way to go. Um, and a lot of that is well, because EVs, they're inaccessible to buy for a lot of folks or to charge for a lot of folks. So I think not only are we trying to get to that accessibility question, but get to the appeal question. I think that, I think it's an appealing vehicle as well. <laughs> yeah, well, it's ironic. I mean, I think the, the sharing economy concept got a bit of a hit last year in the beginning and maybe middle because everybody was just trying to keep distance from people, you know, not not to get contaminated or contaminate others. But at the, on the other hand, at the coming out of it, I feel like the sharing uh, concept is stronger than ever because you ha you have the issue of food banks needing to help people help people have food. You have the the issue of realizing, hey, you have to respect others, wear a mask, and you know protect and respect the people around you, not just um, ignore them. Uh, so I think there is a kind of shared experience also, you know, that's, that's more prevalent now. So perhaps it, it gives it a boost at the end or coming out of it. Um, uh, may also people probably just eager to get back and social mixing with other people and, you know, experiencing other hu humans, you know, beyond their bubble. I, I hope so. I know, I know for myself personally, it's been a struggle not to be around people, um, Look, I, I'm, a, I'm an extrovert. I think you kind of have to be in the industry I'm in. Um, but I miss, I miss people. I miss those random encounters, meeting new folks, um, you know, just getting new perspectives on things. And, and, and on the more kind of business side, we've seen um, from early um, kind of usage patterns in places like uh, China and other places that have opened up, up, you know, more so than most United States that, um, Sharing and, and ride sharing in particular has actually seen a, a boost as they begin to open up. Um, part of that is folks are saying, you know, I, I may not be able to own my own vehicle, um, but I'm not sure I want to get on a, a 50 person bus or a 200 person yeah. train. Um, and this is an, so, yeah. yeah. This is an interesting thing because, I mean, we're talking about a lot of dynamics. I mean, I've always loved public transit, mass transit, because you can observe humanity and society 
up close while being completely separate because people will just pretend like they're on their or they'll, they'll be in their own world but you can observe them like right next to them while they're pretending you don't you're not there so i've always found it fascinating but a lot of people are turned off by being with too many people together so the the origin has a nice it's kind of a nice mix of a few people in a vehicle with you not too many uh but you know you're not alone um on the other hand, I've seen a lot of, you know, people saying, you know, most trips, most people driving on the road are there's one pe- person in a vehicle. So with robo taxis, there's a bit of expectation that you would have a lot of small vehicles where, you know, just transporting one or two people. So these, um, you know, more golf cart size uh, vehicles, the, cri- the origin is a middle size that I think a lot of companies have taken to, but do you see that the market is going to end up having a, a mixture of small origin size and, you know, larger bus size vehicles, all sort of, you know, serving different purposes, or do you see as, you know, the origin kind of being a a dominant kind of model? I, I, I think what you've seen from others in the industry is, is more in line with the origin and and the size of the vehicle, you know, being about a six seater as what you'll initially see as the dominant model. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, you got to make money. But, or, yeah. well, <laughs> you got to make yeah, money on it. There's financial reasons from our yeah. end, but there's also just consumer acceptance, consumer adoption reasons, right? Um, I think what eventually you'll see is, look, once you've kind of perfected or continue to perfect the technology um, of, of self-driving, um, that technology can transfer form factors, right? Um, and you see it, uh, whether that's um, in motorcycles, uh, I've talked to a lot of folks that are trying to do autonomous motorcycles to um, autonomous, uh, you know, lightweight vehicles that we're talking about with the origin and the bolt uh, to autonomous buses to autonomous trains. And, and a lot of folks don't realize we have a lot of uh, on the larger side of transportation. Yeah. There's a lot of autonomy already there, right? Uh, airplanes fly 98% in autonomous mode. Uh, trains are mostly autonomous. Uh, they try to mandate this with something that's called a positive train control, PTC, um, right? So I think you've already seen that with some of the larger uh, form factors of transportation, and you're going to just continue to see it as this technology uh, becomes more robust. Cool, yeah. And a couple couple of questions getting into charging. Um, first question, uh, maybe a quick one, maybe not. Um, when do you see autonomous charging coming? What, what Do you have that on your game plan right now? Yeah, I mean, we do. So we, we're, we're running experiments with it um, and we're, we're seeing it develop. I think it'll it'll be a little bit, but I think ultimately that's where we wind up. Um, and there, I mean, there's, all, there's of course like, like the snake charger that Tesla had like right. a decade ago that has never um, appeared again. Um, and then there's obviously also huge development of wireless charging, a lot of surprising uh, great um, tech development and wireless charging. Are you sort of just feeling out which you're going to end up using more or do you see? Yeah. I mean, I think we're, we're, we are in, in a feeling out stage of a lot of that advanced technology. I mean, we have a lot of discussions with, with folks in the industry, um, whether that's from the private side uh, and, the, and, the, and the groups developing that technology to the public side, right? There have been um, small kind of pilots say in Michigan where they're looking at uh, putting wireless charging into the road, right? So that you can charge while you're actually driving on the road. Um, for us, what we've said is, you know, that, that stuff is great. Um, and we're looking at it, but right now, 
you know, we're focused on how do we keep the vehicles we have charged and how do we keep the kind of vehicles that are coming uh, in the near future charged. And, and that's, you know, a prime example of that is our investment in, in this Chavez Street project that we're building in San Francisco. That yeah, you have a big... Yeah. So, yeah. so you have a big project in San Francisco. Can you speak about the number of chargers, the power ratings, um, who it's open, who, who the chargers are open to? And, you know, I mean, basically, I don't recall any autonomous driving company building charging station. I mean, of course, for their fleets, they must. But um, right. so I'm just curious, yeah, what's, what do you see as your role in, in, the, in the EV charging space going forward? Yeah. So I, I think I think our role is is to show that we can um, bring people along faster and show leadership. Right. Private sector needs to show that um, it's willing to make the investments to to move over to electrification. Um, and what Cruz is doing with its Chavez Street project in San Francisco is is building one of the largest uh, charging stations in all of North America. It will be those the single largest charging station for a ride hailing fleet uh, in North America. Uh, the project is is just getting started, but um, we anticipate having about 50 um, DCFS chargers uh, there. Um, it's going to have uh, a few of them dedicated to the DCFC. I can't believe it's a DCFS. I was <laughs> thinking about public school. I, I um, didn't even notice it to be honest. I just yeah, I saw I knew where you were going, so I just didn't even hear the end. Yeah. <laughs> So, It'll have a, have a couple of them um, available free of charge, um, right? We'll use CCS ports so that they'll be available for all sorts or of makes. 150 yeah. kilowatt, 350 kilowatt. What do you know? Um, um, I'll have to get back to you. I, I don't yeah. recall. Uh, yeah, but ultra fast. Beyond. Ultra fast. Ultra fast. Oh, that, I mean, okay. that, that'll be key. Not, not 50 or, or lower. Yeah. Yes. Cool. So a few will be open to the public. The rest will be dedicated to cruise. Cruise, uh, yeah. Rope. And, and, you know, what we're hoping to show is that with this investment um, that, you know, th these talk about green jobs, um, it's real, right? Uh, and then if we can work uh, with the state uh, and, the, and the federal government, so this project is completely funded by us. We're not taking any money from the state or the federal government. But I think, you know, what we're seeing from California and other states um, is, is, is a push towards making electrification and electric infrastructure more available. Uh, and we definitely know that that's, that's where this current administration, the Biden-Harris administration is going, right? Um, and so I think, I think combined with that, where the industry is going, you've seen GM you know, make a push that it's going to be all electric with its uh, fleet. Uh, we, I think it was Volvo who made that announcement yesterday as well. Yeah. Um, so I think this is the future. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's only 2021, so that's pretty... Um... I think that's a good sign that we're seeing this from those automakers. Yeah. Well, well, on the charging front, you know, we've seen some leadership. Uh, certain companies in the industry have been great about uh, securing renewable energy for their charging to make sure that's a full, clean experience from start to finish. Uh, others have been, you know, slower, focused more on growth and development, um, a little bit uh, slower than we hoped or anticipated with with fueling that with renewable energy, 100 percent. Uh, you guys are doing 100% renewables. Uh, can you explain um, how you're doing that? What to, uh, you know? What your process is for procuring that electricity, and um, and any, anything interesting about that? Yeah. So so we've been uh, powering our fleet with renewable energy since 2019. Um, we have uh, begun in 2019. We were sourcing that from uh, 12 solar sites uh, at schools located in and around kind of Los Angeles and Southern California area. Um, 
in 2020, where we've we've now kind of moved some of that to more local, uh, closer to San Francisco sources. So working with some of the fruit farms, we'll have more on on kind of the story of why that is and who we're working with in the future. But it's a really great story. Um, a little preview that we're calling this kind of our farm to fleet um, process, um, and it's it's just been a really great partnership. We've we've brought investment and, and funds down to, to some kind of needed areas in the Central Valley of, of California, uh, all while we're, we're you know, kind of um, servicing the, the cities. And so what we wanna show folks is that while autonomy right now for us is focused on city environments, the benefits of having an all electric fleet um, are expanded to all of California. So it's not just a, a city issue, right? Um, it is, yeah, it is both can... a city and rural issue. And we're hoping to show that that all this technology uh, can help all Californians. Yeah, we can see 100% we're talking with a politics dude who spent a lot of time in D.C. I'm, I'm a bit <laughs> policy and politics obsessed, <laughs> two, two different things, policy and politics. But uh, I think that's tremendous. I mean, from that perspective, I think that's amazing. As soon as you said it, I was like, oh, this is wonderful. This is really this is really great. So, uh, I guess score for for Cruz for bringing you on board, and I'm sure helping to to flesh that idea out. Um, looks sounds really exciting. And I just realized too, yeah, that you're the you're the first autonomous vehicle company to be 100% powered with renewable energy. Um, as you noted earlier, there's an issue with a lot of um, these early uh, startups are not even fully electric. So, um, yeah. So I guess anything can you can you speak a little bit about how that how that you know some background backroom conversations any funny anecdotes about about that process and and you know you, you've been pretty frank about why aren't others you know 100 electric happy to hear you know some sort of backroom conversations you have about what the heck's going on why aren't why isn't everyone doing this you know yeah no i so i mean right so so one of the things that's going on here in california is is um you know, there's been a push uh, by governor to, to move to more uh, electric. I think he's uh, suggested to, to ban all sales of, um, of internal combustion engines by 2035. Uh, we think that timeline is, is great, but we want to accelerate that for this industry. So there is a bill in California uh, by Senator Min that would require all AVs to be EVs by uh, 2025. Um, so we, we're, we're very supportive of the intent of that bill, uh, working with groups like the Union of Concerned Scientists to try to uh, get that uh, through. Um, so, you know, there's, there's really no, uh, there's always a lot of kind of mystery about what happens in background conversations. But I think to, to kind of demystify that, a lot of that is conversations like this, pretty frank, right? Which is, um, hey, we're not hiding the fact that we're a private commercial company. We, we, we do want to make money out of this. Um, but we do think that goals can be aligned, right? Um, we're all electric. Uh, you guys want to get there. Um, and so I think those are the types of conversations we have. Um, you know, a lot of it too is just kind of explaining um, where we're at. Um, there's a lot of confusion uh, about, you know, this stuff is going to be all out there tomorrow and you haven't explained it and people aren't ready for it. And we're like, well, um, we're out there. We're trying to get people to understand what we're doing. Um, but scaling this is going to be hard. Uh, I think well, there's it's such a it's such a big shift yeah. that it, I think you know we get excited about it and then we and then we get concerned like well when when does it happen right. how does it happen how does the transition happen and you know you have sort of uh, ups and downs with, with you know excitement and skepticism and, and how yes. but it's great to see these kind of 
you know, sort of filling the whole, filling the whole pot as you move along, 100% electric, 100% renewable. Um, I guess one question, um, you know, every, people know Cruise is under the GM umbrella. Uh, GM and Cruise, though, are very different things. Uh, can you speak a little bit about GM's role in Cruise, how much uh, involvement there is from, from that side of the business um, with what you guys plan and do? Yeah, so, so, I mean, GM is, is the largest shareholder in Cruise. Um, they are a wonderful partner. They manufacture all of our vehicles, um, right? So uh, they, they have been ingrained in Cruise since the, the moment they, they, they initially purchased us and then kind of uh, made us, a instead of a wholly owned subsidiary, uh, one where others could put investment into. Um, so I think from the, the technological end that this kind of bringing together of Silicon Valley and Detroit is just an amazing experience, right? It's, it brings the best of folks that can build a vehicle and I've done it for a hundred years. It's really hard, right? I know, I know you guys speak a lot about Tesla and they, they can attest to how hard it is to build vehicles at scale, right? Uh, and so, you know, for us, it was like, okay, we've now got somebody that knows how to do this because uh, it's really hard to get that off the ground. Um, and then they looked at us and said, hey, you guys are, are really um, innovative and you move fast and we could use a little bit more of that in our culture, right? Um, so it's really come together well, I think, particularly from the engineering and, and manufacturing teams that combine that hardware and software. So everything on each vehicle is specifically built to be an autonomous electric vehicle, which is unique. You know, all the other folks out there, except maybe Zooks, to be fair, um, they buy a vehicle and then they like pull it apart and put it all back together again. So it's a bit of a Frankenstein. Um, ours, everything, every little hole, every little wire is intentionally built for what we're trying to do. So I think it's, it's been great. Um, you know, I think We've brought on other partners, Honda, so another major auto manufacturer, um, their design elements uh, into the origin. I mean, you think about a Honda car, every little thing is in the right place, right? From the cup holders to the radio, to the controls on the, on the, on the steering wheel. Uh, and so they brought a lot of great design elements into the origin that, that hopefully everyone will see shortly. And then we brought on other partners like Microsoft recently. Um, and so we're, we're excited about what they can do, what they can help us with in terms of uh, cloud infrastructure, in terms of privacy. I mean, they're a leader in that kind of stuff. So um, for us, it's been great. Uh, I think it's been a, a real marriage um, that, that's worked yeah. out well. Yeah, I think everybody everybody knows, you know, the, the Detroit auto culture and the Silicon Valley culture are quite different. And Yes. I guess uh, people people saw the potential there, but also wondered, is this going to turn out well? I think I've seen Kyle, I, I just realized, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Kyle Vogt, uh, founder. Yeah, Kyle Vogt, yes. Vogt, uh, founder. Um, I've seen him talk about it, and he was extremely appreciative of what GM was bringing to the table. This was, I think, on a Lex Friedman podcast a couple of years ago, perhaps. Um, very appreciative of, of what GM brought to it and seemed to be, focusing on what you just focus on the, the integration makes everybody um create a better product and i guess yeah microsoft bringing microsoft seattle into it is a whole nother game uh so yeah and you can uh, see this and, is where the industry is going right um right we're on the forefront now you've got like ford and argo and mm -hmm. you have uh you know um even amazon has come in with zooks uh, apple's yeah. looking for someone to manufacture their cars so that integration, I think, as people look at how difficult this yep. is as a as a project, 
um, you need help. Uh, and so having, I feel like we've got a three, four year head start on people. So that, that makes me. Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't really thought about it, but yeah, I mean, you have Amazon got Rivian and Zooks bring, you know, to bring that together and Volkswagen's got their uh, effort. It, it, but yeah, you were again, like with the, I mean, I, I guess that was something I thought too, with the EVs, you had the advantage of having the, the bolt out um, a long range EV before others. So, and probably other autonomous vehicle startups didn't particularly want to just um, use the same <laughs> same vehicle you were <laughs> using. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, so also, you know, I guess we'll jump to this. Um, you, you've expressed this, I think several times here in, in different ways. You, you seem to have, Cruise seems to be very, I mean, taking ESG or corporate responsibility to to another level seems to be that you're very, very focused and concerned about broader society and what you can do to help, whether it's with the pandemic and food deliveries, or uh, you also had a piece that we published last year about wildfires and, um, you know, sort of how autonomous vehicles could be particularly useful delivering supplies, restoring power. Um, and it was... I think that the nice thing about it was you jumped out really quickly with that. You said, Hey, this is, this is an area where we can help. And, um, uh, you know, people brought up these kinds of things in different natural disasters, but, uh, I guess, can you just speak a little bit about the culture at cruise where you're focusing on, on, on all these aspects beyond the technology? Is that who's, who's driving that? Is it just, is it a part of everybody? Is it something that everybody's supposed to be thinking about at the company? Um, it is quite admirable. I, I mean, not to give you too much PR or what I'm not doing this. I'm not getting anything for this. I just, I think it's the way people should live and businesses should act. And I think it's, you, you're setting a very high bar. Well, thank you. And, and, and we're trying every day, right? Um, you know, I think, I think this has been baked into the core of Cruise from the beginning. It, it starts from the top with, with the founders and then extends through, you know, everybody who goes through ignition understands that what we're trying to do here really can have huge societal benefits. Um, and so with that in mind, what we, what we see, right, it's the same thing with electrification is we're at the beginning of this industry. And so we should be thinking ahead about how our technology can be used in the use cases. Um, I think this has been somewhat of the challenge we've seen with other tech and, and social media platforms, not really understanding kind of what they're putting out there and the full effects of, of how that can be used. And, and they're going through that, you know, very difficult discussion now. I think what we took from that is, you know, we should really think about how every vehicle we put on the road, how that's going to impact, um, right? Whether that's going to be on equity, on how we're going to help our communities, um, particularly, you know, given what we saw um, with the pandemics and the wildfires, um, that was something that, that, as you pointed out, we saw it and said, you know, there are all sorts of ways that our vehicle can be used other than just to um, make money, um, right? That's still, I'm not saying that's not going to be a primary driver of what we're doing, but there are other things that can we can address and we should be thinking about them from day one. So we really instill that in the company. Um, and to give you a little preview, I think we've we've got another kind of step coming to really show how all in on um, kind of the impact that we want to make with our vehicles is coming. So uh, we have a social impact arm here and, and we're, we're going to announce something very shortly about, you know, going forward, how our vehicles are going to be dedicated to certain uses. Um, and so we're excited about that. So hopefully in, a, in about, you know, a month's time, we can 
uh, connect again, I can share a little bit more about that, but it's exciting. I, I think really um, it's important for companies, all companies, not just AV companies, to really think about what they're putting out there, how it can be used. Um, and, and I know you see, you've invited a former Senate person on, so yeah, I'm, no, I'm, um, I'm like, there's so, so many places we could go. I'm like, yeah. I have to re restrain myself, but it's, uh, yeah. but it is, I mean, it is fascinating because, you know, we're looking at a social media crisis, I, I think is one of the biggest, uh, it's, a, it's just hard to imagine how some of these problems get solved, but it's, I hadn't really thought, Hey, you're there, you're there in Silicon Valley. You're, you're thinking, hey, what's our role in the future? How, how do, what ramifications of our tech do we have to think about? So it's really, I think, you know, fascinating and a good sign that you're thinking so introspectively about it all as a company. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you had more, you want to finish on that? Uh, oh, uh, no, all, all I was going to say is, um, <laughs> you know, uh, for us, it, it, is, it is really at, at the heart of what we're trying to do is to, is to make things better, right? To, to get at safety, to get at uh, environmental issues and and to get at accessibility and along the way, you know there are other use cases for this and and you know we saw it in Texas right uh, the ingenuity of people who are using their electric vehicles to power their homes during that and and that's you know going back to the you know your kindness and allowing me to put that kind of op-ed forward that's the kind of stuff that we envision at large scale being available and so. Uh, yeah, you, we, you we, we don't let companies publish that have that creativity and we're like, hey, that's exactly what we were talking about. Yeah, we, we have a policy of not allowing companies to publish op-eds on our pages, but it was just such a moment um, and such an important topic. And I, I loved it so much. So uh, it's, I'm sure it's unfortunately something we'll have to come back to um, <clears throat> repeatedly. I forgot about it in the, in the midst of other recent you know, crises, but uh, I guess so. circling back to one last one topic again. Um, the, the EV charging aspect, I'm, you know, just, um, get a little more perspective from you. Uh, I've lived without home charging for th almost three years with EVs. Um, of course it helps that I work from home, uh, you know, quite flexible, uh, or from coffee shops or whole foods before the pandemic. Uh, but generally speaking, it's, um, you know, you've got home and workplace charging, which are hugely valuable but then you've got a whole other matter of public charging and there's a great need for more public charging in cities across the, the country the world especially in cities where you know you have higher density of course um yeah could you speak a little bit more about you know obviously biden has this big 500 ev charging station plan could you speak a little bit more about how you're collaborating either with them or others in the industry to say, hey, these are where the gaps are, this is where we need to, or is it most, most like, okay, we wanna operate here, we're gonna put in some charging stations and do our part. So, so it's a little bit of both. Um, so we are um, actively engaged in, in the discussions with the Biden administration and with the current Congress about um, how we move forward on, on an infrastructure bill, um, right? I think the, the Biden administration has called it their Build Back Better plan. Um, and so we've been in, in, engaged in discussing with um, various members of the administration, uh, whether it's, um, you know, directly through them with our trade associations, uh, with members of Congress, their staff, um, to really, uh, you know, uh, double down on the fact that, that we're all in on this, um, that, that, that we're very supportive of, of moving forward in the direction of increasing uh, public infrastructure on this and that, 
you know, we're there. Uh, we hope that our Chavez project, right? We're we're a small fish, right? We're 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 still <laughs> gaining our sea legs, so to speak. Um, but that that we hope it's it's really shows that you know for the industry, there's some of us who are willing to put our money where our mouth is, right? And that we're looking for partners in government, and to the extent we can help them, um, we're here. Um, and so I think it's it's been a really great conversation so far. Uh, we're really excited about what's to come. And so, you know, for us, the, the industry too, I think, you know, we talk a lot with, with whether it's, um, you know, uh, folks in, in Tesla, EVgo, you know, folks from that end to PG&E to others, uh, Florida Power and Light, um, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how do we make this work? Because there are challenges, right? It's, it's, it's not as simple as just saying, here's the will. You got to find a way too. Uh, and so I think we're just trying to be helpful in that conversation. That's great. Uh, well, thank you for your time. Um, I hope that uh, when you have any news on Florida, that I'll be the first to find out about uh, <laughs> entering this this interesting area. Um, and yeah, just curious to hear more uh, about your your work going forward. I'm also on a there's a big Drive Electric USA initiative funded by the doe um recently and i'm on four working groups with that initiative volunteering my time to hopefully help uh in the same kind of ways we've been talking about so i think we'll have to rope you in about into that a bit more going forward too, to sort of see what you know we're looking at it from today's perspective what about the future perspective with autonomous vehicles that's got to be a bigger part of state ev plans uh, and ev advocacy across the country probably <laughs> i yeah, think you would yeah, agree please let's let's work together on that it sounds great um yeah four working groups I, I i've been on one or two of those at a time four is a lot so you well we'll see how it goes yeah but it's for, <laughs> for now it's, it's great education and, and uh as well as uh an off an opportunity for me to give back i feel like we all need to give back a little bit more and this is an easy way for me to offer something um to to society uh, well, thank you for what you're doing. I'm I'm really excited to see um, Cruz's uh, momentum, uh, your your torque, your acceleration, your your momentum, everything going forward. Um, it's been fun to watch, but I feel like 2020s is the decade of of autonomous vehicles. So this is gonna be fun. Agreed. Well, thank you so much for having me, Zach. It's a pleasure being on this. Um, again, I, I look forward to to many more conversations like this. And thank you to the whole team. All right. All right. Likewise. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Walk, 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 walk,